Oh, this smells wonderful. Hold on. <laughs> Enjoy. So good. Hello. <laughs> and welcome. <laughs> welcome to this week's edition of Ashley Drinking Scotch ASMR. Uh, no, welcome to this week's edition of BPM Pod. I still sound a bit like muffled because we've all been sick. So I still sound a little bit Mm-mm. stuffy, but it's all good. Uh, Chris and I haven't actually talked for a little while. Chris, how are you doing? I'm fine. I had four pizzas today. Four pizzas? Yes. Where are you fitting that in that slender, rich body of yours? I'm shitting it right out again. (laughs) (laughs) That's also how you're staying slender. (laughs) (laughs) Through it goes. How are you, though? Yeah, I'm good. Decent? Uh, I am. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything from, from the upcoming episodes. So I'm, no, I'm you have, fine. You have quite a lot to talk about musically. You've been on a bit of a musical purge. Yes. Um, kind of. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Speaking of which, I can see by your right shoulder, what I called the sort of cabinet of chaos, which is full of guitar pedals, is really empty. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And it will be like, more empty once you've been here again. There's like two things in it. Nah, no, 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 no. I can't see the others, but... The bearing of Time Machine is still in there. Time Machine's still there. You've got to keep that. I mean, it's too good. Dude, but, um, I'm actually... I'm thinking about just putting it on, on eBay for a ridiculous price and see mm-hmm. if anybody is, like, willing to pay that shit. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Why not? The original... I, I, looks for, uh, I look for the original um, Deluxe Memory Man, which the Time Machine is based on. There's one right now which is being sold for 800 fucking euros. For a pedal. For a friggin' like, <laughs> 40 year old pedal. <laughs> yep. Things we've been listening to. Porcupine Tree. Been listening to a lot to get into the mood for October. Uh, that's going to be good. I think the tour is actually started now, so I might start checking yes. out some reviews. Second and- or third day today. I might start checking out some reviews and see what people have been saying. Um, the Staves, been listening to a lot of. The uh, Trio, I think it is. Sisters from the UK. Uh, folk, singer-songwriter trio. Talked about them the other week. Inspector, the band from the last episode, their new single Brave is really good. That's been on hard rotation. Really enjoyed that. But most of all, and I did a whole bonus episode on this, Heavy Heavy have been on hard rotation. Because that new song is fantastic. It's got such a great riff that's really simple, but really, really good. Um, And I just love it. I really can't wait for their stuff on the 30th of November. I really hope it's as good as as I hope it's going to be.
So, um, Are we going to get I'm them on really the show again? We really should get them on the show. Potentially all of them. So that's that. So that's all I've been listening to. Uh, those sort of four. So not, not too much. Otherwise, normal, usual stuff. But your selection here is incredible. Only one of them I know. The other two, I have no clue who they are whatsoever. All right, Tame Impala is at the bottom. Ah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to start with Tame Impala. Um, yeah, my, I finally managed to listen to Lonerism, which is the, I think, the last one that's not really that commercial. I think Smith was already very successful at that point, but from the like from a sound perspective, it's like still pretty uh, grungy 60s, 70s stuff. Uh, cool songs in there, like Elephant. I knew that one from the live show, which is, uh, which, uh, <coughs> sorry, which was amazing. But yeah, f- uh, first time actually listening to the whole album. It's a good album. I need to be in a certain mood for it because I don't really like, like, 70s stuff. Then, Winter Sun, which was one of my gateway drugs to metal. Um, really cool band, like uh, almost a cult band at this point. Um, the frontman used to be uh, the uh, frontman from Enziferum, Enziferum, which is more of a folk metal band. And he decided to, I'm going to make some epic prog metal with everything. And shit was insane when it was released, the first album. And really influenced a lot of my earlier progressive metal work. Uh, mm. But the thing always was with the guy that he promised to release one album after another and never did. <laughs> like uh-huh. when the first album came out, he already announced a, a double album, which was called, or which is called Time. Mm. And after six or seven years, he managed to release the first Time One. Uh, so okay. the first of the two albums and we are still waiting for time two. <laughs> so uh-huh. it has been okay. another, I think 10 years now there was kind of an EP thingy in between somewhere, but like it's gotten so bad that it's the band is like almost a meme at this point. Uh, when you're on their Facebook page, like people are actually really complaining <laughs> about these guys because they are, uh, like while not releasing albums, they are not afraid to ask people for money on their Patreon and shit. Uh, like, uh, mm. we're going to get some of your money and then we'll build a studio and the album will come then immediately. And it never fucking happened. Yeah, the last uh, band um, is Necrogoblicon, which is a um, some kind of like party metal, melodic metal uh, thing. And their whole gimmick is that they have an actual goblin with them uh, on stage and in every music video. 
and like he looks really creepy like the costume is really really cool and some of their music videos are actually more of a horror movie than a music video but still with a lot of wow. humor okay i'm gonna look these up hold on necrogoblin goblin goblin on stage a goblin yeah sorry a goblin oh oh wow okay that's that's pretty creepy actually yeah, yeah. he looks nasty and uh wow okay that's uh weird yep and i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> so the goblin is like an actual band member and we saw them in berlin and like uh, at cassiopeia mm, and mm. it was like really hot on that day so, and when like the club wasn't packed but still like there were a lot of people in there and like It was so funny because the band came on stage and everyone was cheering and headbanging and everything. And then the goblin came on stage and the whole crowd went fucking crazy because of the <laughs> fucking goblin. And dude's like, actually like, he's, he's, he's pumping people up, right? He's like uh, throwing up the fists and headbanging shit and, and singing along without a mic and stuff and uh, motivating people to do um, circle pits and wall of deaths and shit. And you could always see after like, one or two songs how he got how his movements got slower because it must have been so freaking hot under his costume and shit mm, so he went mm. off stage for two to three and three songs and then came back and the whole procedure started again it was really cool You're a fish. Before we jump into your whole clear out of musical equipment slash new thing you bought, we'll, we'll give you a hint. It's a synth, but we won't say much more than that until we get there because Chris is going to then blow his load talking about <laughs> it. over the mic. <laughs> so, so there's that coming up. Um, before we do that, should we play a quick game? Oh, shit, yeah. Should we play a game? Of overrated, underrated. Yeah. I don't have a jingle. Let's go. Overrated, underrated. I don't know. Oh, we'll shit. Think of yeah, I'm going to do something. Overrated. Underrated. So I'm going to throw some things at you, Chris. Cool. And you have to very quickly just say on the top of your head whether you think it's Overrated or underrated? And if you feel like you need to clarify it, in one sentence you can do so. No big, long, lengthy things. Okay, cool. And um, these will be used against you in court. <laughs> so, Great. Uh, so there we go. So I'll here we go. Summer next music. Monday. <laughs> That's good. Well, summer, summer, summer musical, summer not. Uh, so we'll go from there. So expensive microphones. Oh, that's really... Can't pick one. You're going to be a massive hypocrite, whatever one you say, so. Oh, I think overrated. Why? Very quickly. Because it depends if you're like, you should have one, which is very good. Mm. Having 200 mm. is, over, is overrated. I would agree. Fuzz pedals. Now, of course, they're not created equally, but still, fuzz pedals generally. I think the right amount of rated... <laughs> Hmm, the right amount of rating. Also <laughs> acceptable. Martin guitars. 
Those are acoustics, right? Acoustics. Dude, I have no idea. I wouldn't like... They are the most expensive acoustics that you can find. I would say overrated. Oh, really? But just because I don't see that paying $20,000 for an acoustic guitar is going to make you that good. But, you know, <laughs> that's me. Maybe if I was a famous rock star, I'd think differently. Toothpaste. Underrated, more people should use it. <laughs> they should. I agree. <laughs> Ice cream. Overrated. I agree. Uh, guitar tabs on Ultimate Guitar. Uh, underrated, especially by classical trained musicians. Oi. And I'm on. now expecting a violin player to come out of my uh, cupboard and slice my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say they're overrated because the quality of them is normally a bit. Mm, yeah, yeah, but. like that's right. But still, like for my students and for myself, best thing ever. Wow, there we go, Metallica. Ooh. Just say it. I know what you're going to say. But they're they're like for me they're the right amount of rated again because they they deserve their fame. Like the old stuff is like super good. It is. But then it's like they went on too long. I, I, just, I, I don't know. Well, I think they're overrated Metallica. I must admit. But not the old shit. No, that's true. But I don't want to hear into Sandman ever again. Like, ever. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I really don't want to hear it. That's a good uh, song. No. Um, synth keyboard slash piano players in a rock band. Underrated. I agree, 100%. Yeah. You take the organ or the keys out of a band sometimes and you tell me how hollow the sound is. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's really hollow, so they deserve more respect. Dude, I had very intense discussions with heavy metal uh, fans about keyboard players in metal bands. Yeah, because I guess they just don't think it's very cool. But. Yep. <laughs> and I really fucking hate riff-based music. Mm. And the keyboard player just doesn't pull the chicks. They don't. This is why I started learning guitar. They should. So the, but they should. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. Fuck the drummer. No, that's what they already do. But the, the, not the drummer. <laughs> no more drummer. A couple more. Um, uh, uh, what have we got? Uh, where are we? Uh, loopers. Looping pedals. I think they've become pretty overrated over the years. Yeah. Good have practice tool, to, but still. Have you got any decent ones? Do you have a good looper? I have the Ditto X2, which I won in a contest directly from TC Electronic. And you like it or meh? I do, but I rarely use it since I've yeah. started to like actively produce. Makes sense. Last one. 12 string guitars. Pooh. Like I never actually knew someone who had one. I did. You had one or you knew someone who had no, I had one, but an acoustic, not a 12-string electric, like double-neck thing. That would be ridiculous. But. I like the sound, but in very small doses. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. And the last one in here is uh, Vinehart. <laughs> Underrated. <laughs> Greatest band <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> there we go. 12-string guitars, I kind of agree with you. Um, so I had one for the longest time, and I loved it, but um, when I was just in a solid Tom Petty phase. but um, it was just 
yeah, it gets a bit much and, and the maintenance of a 12 string is not enjoyable mm. in any way whatsoever. Restringing it or mm. tuning it is a pain in the ass. Like it's not fun. Like ever. It's not worth the hassle. Yeah. Anyway, that was overrated, underrated. Thanks for playing, Chris. Mm. None of your opinions are that controversial, but if oh, anyone does boring. have any controversial shit to throw at us, please do so. And uh, we'll give out your you our opinion on it. And we should um, do that more often. I like that. That was fun. Yeah. For a bit of a change of pace now, if you want a break from Chris and I talking, uh, you can get that. Because right now, here I'm going to insert the Mishka interview from a couple of weeks back, which you can also listen to separately as its own episode if you want to do that. So if you want to skip the next half an hour, be my guest, but otherwise hang around because she's a wonderful pianist, classically trained pianist who has played at some really cool venues, including different embassies in front of different famous sort of dignitaries and stuff. And she has a lot of ambitions for her music. Um, We have a super interesting conversation about how you um, write classical music because, you know, I kind of assumed it's got a more complex process and it actually kind of doesn't. Like It's a lot of just writing D, C sharp minor, stuff like that. And I was like, wait, what? I thought it was going to be way more complicated than that. <laughs> but um, but no, it wasn't. So it, it was really, really cool. And uh, you can check out what happened when I spoke to Mishka right now. I'm Mishka. I'm a piano player, mainly playing neoclassical music. Recently, I'm living in Berlin, but originally I come from Slovakia and I love to share my experience and inspiration collected from traveling all over the world. Wow, what a great pitch. That is nice. When you say piano player, though, you're kind of underselling yourself. Because you're an extremely good piano player. When when I tell people I'm a piano player and I'm rubbish, like you can't tell people you're a piano player, surely. You're like a proper pianist, really. Well, yeah, I can say that because I have a classical trained background. So I'm classically trained pianist. Um, That's why maybe I have um, many years of experience of basically playing um, classical music, which is uh, quite... Yes, advanced um, and mm. uh, is quite complex uh, music. Yeah. Where did your journey begin then, with uh, with music? Uh, my journey began as I was very small child. Basically, I have started to sing in a choir when I was three and a half years old, and we were doing many performances around uh, Slovakia, mainly in churches, and this. Um, was the beginning of the journey just for fun. But later on, as I was six years old, I started to take the classical lessons from my teacher, Viera Kalibodova, in our music school in Slovakia. And was it, so you went from 
singing in a choir to picking up piano straight away? There wasn't something in between or? Yeah, this is a very good question. Actually, I was about to make a decision. I had to make a decision whether I would pick uh, playing piano or, or whether I would uh, be taking a singing uh, lessons. And I have decided ah. for a piano from some reason. Because it's not an easy instrument. People seem to think it is easy because it's what everyone starts with, but it's not. It's easy to play maybe, but not to master. So what did you find the most difficult? Mm, probably having enough of patience with myself exactly if I wanted <laughs> to make the steps further then I had to be very patient and I had to repeat it all the same phrases all over again until they would sound good um, to play them with both hands at the same time this was the challenge because for uh, many years I always had to do separately left hand separately right hand and mm. it took really a long time until I figured out how to read the music and play it at the same time, like sight reading. Mm. Mm. How is your sight reading? Fairly good? I think it's it got better since I was studying in England at the university. Okay. Yes. Uh, there were- okay, so hang on. Well, tell us about that. So hang on. So, <laughs> so you start at six. Hang on. Now, now, you did warn me before we start. You've traveled a lot. <laughs> so trying to piece it together is going to be difficult. So you started at six. And trained beginning in Slovakia. When did England come into this then? Uh, that's a good question. Yes, England came after Denmark. <laughs> so, okay, so Denmark first. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I was 16, there are these kind of schools that you might be aware of, like Ungdomshoiskolen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and they are really nice because they allow people to just choose what kind of like artistic direction or sport direction, like what mm-hmm. you really are into. And this school, I was there and I was just practicing piano for like three, four hours a day, like intensively, as I would not do in Slovakia because of um, also maybe the school and the other subjects that I had to study. But at Ungdomshoiskolen, Vedribe, in Denmark, I had the choice and I had much more time and opportunity to just focus on the instrument. And I got really obsessed with it there. Mm, mm. And then England comes in after Denmark. Exactly. Because um, when I came back from Denmark, then I had to just um, finish my studies at the um, like high school in Slovakia to get the abitur, to, get, yeah, to, to have the maturita, we say it in Slovak language. Um, an abitur that's in German. And how do you say it? In uh, A-level. I know what it is. Yeah, A-level. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. So it's A-levels in England. So I had to complete it basically in Slovakia and afterwards. Then I um, went to England to study at the university. Yes. And where was that? That was in 2019 in York. In York. Ah, How did you find York? I've never been actually. York is wonderful. It's very historical and it has these uh, Roman uh, walls around the whole city Mm. which you can walk. It's very romantic, I would say, and historical and full of culture. And there are lots of basking musicians around and people appreciate the baskers. That's wonderful. So you were always studying their music at this point and you've been then to Denmark, to England. What then bridges the gap to Berlin? How have you found yourself where you are now? I was um, living in England for seven years and then I thought to myself also because of the political situation and because of the Brexit, I needed a change. But at the same time, I felt like it might get really complicated to stay in England and that 
I just wanted to be closer to home where I originally come from again. So, and mm. Berlin is a city where I've heard that it's possible to use English until you are uh, familiar with German language. So that was one of the yeah. reasons. And you've done some pretty cool performances as well. There was one at the Slovak Embassy, right? In yeah. Berlin, which was pretty cool. But you also teach, right? So just explain, what is a sort of day or week in the life of you like? Mm, at the moment, I'm right now, for example, preparing for the wedding uh, concert uh, or performance that is um, on next Monday. So I'm... Um, in the morning playing a few pieces that the couple uh, has uh, basically uh, written down that I should uh, play at the wedding. So in the morning I like to warm up, ideally. At the moment I'm also getting into singing quite a lot because, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, like in the beginning as I was a child, I've chosen the piano, but ideally I would love to have it combined if I could change something then I would definitely pick on the singing a little bit like earlier mm. yeah now I am but you do well you do have some bits out there though with you singing right at the same time as playing it's not all classical pieces yes. there are some out there with you singing as well exactly and I am trying to basically practice the singing because that's the, the kind of like a queen of music in the end of the day it's like when you compare it to sports I don't know they say that swimming is the, the queen activity of the of, of the sports making so with music it's like you hear the melodies that's what I mean like if you are composing you firstly hear some kind of melody and then you have to kind of verbalize it or like sing it for yourself and then you can put it onto the instrument as well. So that's why I find it very useful and helpful to sing as well. Yes. And then, mm. yeah, I teach and um, I like to go for jam sessions sometimes here um, in the evenings, like jazz jam sessions. Or I like to meet up other musicians with who we can sometimes jam and sometimes have concerts together and performances. That's right. And your style of music is very sort of, what, neoclassical to jazz, I would say? It's not very sort of singer-songwriter pop rock, right? Yeah. Is that by choice or, or you know, is that just because you want to stay in that genre forever? Or is that just because you're kind of, that's what you're good at and you've stuck there? Or is there sort of inside you a bit of a singer-songwriter that's urging to get out a little bit? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. I think that it's also might be a combination, but I think that it matters mainly because of the influences. So it matters because of what kind of music I like to listen to. 
And in past, I was really a lot into neoclassical music and into the soundtrack music, uh, like mm. Philip Glass and Michael Neiman and Ennio Morricone and Jan Tiersen and many others. Um, so that was my main um, influence, I think. And then uh, now I do write also lyrics. Yes, I wrote also a song for the Slovak female president and I gave it to Yeah, her. that's Miss, Miss Firefly, right? Yes. Is that one? I was going to ask you about that because you keep referring to this president in it. And I was going to ask you what the story of that is, but go on, keep going, because I think we're going to get there anyway. <laughs> the story was that basically, yes, for example, from the pop singers, I was definitely as a child also influenced by Pink, this uh, rock yeah, 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 yeah. And she brought a song to a president, but it was in a negative way because of mm-hmm. uh, war in Iraq and sort of things, uh, more complicated stuff. And I was like, that was uh, such a, like, a brave idea from her. And I was like, but hang on, like Slovakia has a first female president and she's actually really positive figure for like all the girls and she's like fighting against toxic waste and against the corruption in Slovakia. So we were all really proud to have her. And then I was in Berlin and I was just here for three months. I did not even know where the Slovak embassy was. And I went for a job interview to one music school on the day when she was visiting. And I kind of missed her, basically. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. And that was really, like, um, annoying for me. And it uh, kept on annoying me for another, you know, maybe one year or something like this. Like, this feeling, like, I had regrets, like, that I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I did not go to the embassy, that I um, decided to go for a job interview to music school instead of meeting her personally at the embassy. So then I thought, like, okay, if it's annoying me so much maybe i need to like make it into a song aha okay that's that's how i felt like okay i could not meet her personally so i can actually contact her through my art so that i started to write the lyrics and then i started to do the melody and the chords the singing songwriter type of thing that you were Mm -hmm. asking about then i realized maybe i can send it to her and maybe she will hear it. And then she did, indeed, yes. She did hear it? Yes, because they contacted me back and they were really thankful and they said that they are really impressed and they appreciate uh, this kind of message that that she really needs this kind of also emotional support to say. I also had a meeting Uh with one person at the Slovak radio about it and they know her personally. And they were saying that it's really good idea, that it, it, it worked. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That must have made you feel really good, though. Yes, I was really happy because finally I could address this um, gap that I have had inside of me of not meeting her because... Um, as I am also singing in the song, like there is something going on about the womenhood and being a girl in the music industry and in general being a girl in this world is sometimes harder. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I, I see it from the traveling side because like I've been traveling a lot and yeah, I can sometimes see the inequalities or something that was happening in the past is now luckily getting better. And it's exactly because of the fact that we pay attention to it, that we bring awareness to certain problems.
um, what else inspires you then? So political causes, very much so. What else gives you inspiration? So you've listed some of your music uh, inspirations too. Uh, yeah, what else inspires you in the world around you? Also, of course, nature and um, the kind of like a present moment when you are in a in a forest, for example, or if you are also at the seaside or something like this, like the wind, like the little small moments um, inspires me quite a lot. Something that is sometimes people say that it's quite lyrical when you are mm. just observing something. Maybe it is also related to the meditation or the peace of mind things like this i find it very inspirational yes sometimes i do like to also meditate and then it helps me to express myself and how i feel in the particular day i want to ask you about a song that i caught actually um shall i look back i liked it very very good and i've been listening to some of your stuff as well and this one is like a proper formed classical piece actually so it's actually got sort of full of swells and different phrasing and sort of dynamics in it and stuff how do you even go about writing something this complicated does it start by jamming something and repeating it over and over does it start by getting different fragments together and stringing them together in a song or do you just sit down with a pen and paper and write it out because i'm i'm sort of fine with the whole singer songwriter thing and understand how to write music of the training but all I ever do is write lyrics and then put the chord above it you know lyric D and G and A B minor whatever mm-hmm. and just do that I've like I can't even think anymore how I would compose which is different to just writing bits of music so what is your sort of process especially around something much more complicated than just verse chorus verse end Mm-hmm. It's very inspirational question already because like I think everybody and every musician and every singer and songwriter or composer have their own way of uh, composing and uh, sometimes when people also feel stuck uh, they can also get inspired from each other so thanks for sharing also your uh, way of uh, writing music i think with when it's really just neoclassical when it's instrumental music which i have uh, been composing mainly i think last year and the year before as i came to berlin that's where i actually released the album that was this this place that i mentioned before where i like to meditate this kind of buddhist temple actually allowed me to use their beautiful piano and wow. that's where I could spend a lot of hours just uh, just jamming, as you have said in the beginning, and then making um, recordings of it and remembering it and then hear it back and then evolving it into more uh, complicated songs. And it was quite a long uh, procedure. It uh, took, yeah, it took around one year, I think, to complete mm. it. And it was not even um, the whole song, not all songs were written there. Some of them I composed a little bit earlier in England, but uh, it was here in this Buddhist temple where I actually realized that the CD can be finalized. Yeah. Mm. So it- and then in terms of how do you write it though? Do you actually notate it with notes on staves or do you just sort of do shorthand to yourself you know okay b minor seven c sharp minor whatever here like do you just kind of scribble it down 
what the basic structure is. Yes, I just scribbled down what the basic structure is, to be honest with you. Yes. I don't know. I think that's the way I do it as well. I never learned to sight read either. Well, I did, but I was really terrible. It was like it couldn't go from my brain to my hands quick enough. So after a while, I just trained my ear instead. Yes. And um, Yes, it works. Yeah. And it works. So um, that's the only problem is weddings and things when people say, can you play this piece? And they'll give you the piece of music. And I'll be like, oh, this is going to take me 10 years to learn this. Can you just send me a recording and I'll learn it in five minutes? <laughs> like, by the ear. Mm-hmm. Just by the ear yes. instead. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly the advantage, in my opinion, also of the British education, at least what I have actually noticed while I was there, that also the system of the grades, you have it like covered also like listening skills and uh, rhythm, rhythm skills and everything. Like it's such a complex way of learning music as it should be really. I must say mm. that it's still the most effective out of the Slovak one or the, or the German one. I find the British grades system of learning music, like one of the best ones. Yes, very good rationale behind it. Like the person or the people who have created this kind of educational system, I really have a big respect for them and I really think that they did it right. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) They seem to have done okay. In terms of um, performances, do you have anything coming up? I guess now we're re-emerging a bit from the pandemic. Do you have anything coming up? I have maybe concerts coming up in Slovakia and then the wedding. But other than that, I would like to concentrate on the writing of the Firefly CD, like the whole album as a Firefly. I would like to finish it and then maybe have uh, more concerts coming up. So that was going to be my follow-up question. What new music are you writing? But you've just revealed it there. So you're releasing an album? Yes. Uh, So the one song that I have wrote for the Slovak president, I would like to release it officially on the whole album that would be called the same name as the song. Wow. Nice. Thank you. It's a journey for sure. And it also exactly requires lots of cooperation with others, which is very exciting. But that also requires lots of like organizing the times and making other people to also yeah get involved. You know it. So yeah. I want to make it a priority. And yes. after And are you a control freak in those situations? I guess into certain just you can be honest I am too (laughs) this is why I can never have a band it would just be like no you have to do what I tell you yes it's um you've got to be a perfectionist in these in these things so yes I am a control freak (laughs) (laughs) um so new music coming up new performances too where is the best place for people to keep up with what you're up to Probably at my website. I must admit that I am quite um, on it, so I keep it updated. Um, and uh, yeah, I post my um, like new songs or something like this. But mainly, I also uh, post there the advertisement for my concerts, and I also put up the um, photos from the concerts where I've been playing and uh, some information about my background. And there is also, yeah, another interviews available, but they were done in a Slovak language. That's why I'm really pleased to have this podcast with you because that is then 
um, available for people from England or Sweden. Or exactly. <laughs> and you can prove that you can speak English. She can speak English. This is her. We've not faked her voice or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. This has been lovely, though. And thank you very much for coming along. And especially while it's so hot. It's so hot. It's, it's horrible. But I'm glad that we've managed to concentrate and get through it. So thank you very much. Pleasure is on my side, honestly. It's your turn to dominate the podcast. Now. Oh, God, dominate we have so things good. to talk. We have things to talk about. All right. The first being your new song, and right. then we're going to get into your gig journey or your gear journey. Sorry, oh, I, I could talk about the gig journey as well. Well, let's do that. Let's do gig and new song first. So, okay. Prism. Yes, that came out now. What's that? Two weeks ago? Two and a bit? No, it's actually almost a month. What? Yes, it's it Jesus, was the 16th of August. Christ alive. I just looked anyway. that up because a friend was asking me the same question. Yeah, holy crap, this flown by. But that came about and uh, I listened to it, I checked it out. I'd heard a bit of it before because you sent it to me, a clip of it before. And it definitely has a more poppy sound mm. this time. Um, and you've told me this privately, but just run us through a bit of the sort of inspiration behind it. What sort of led you away from the metal rock path, prog path a bit this time into something that is a bit more poppy formulaic. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be super honest with you. All right. Mm, Get yeah. ready. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, I'm ready. Hold on, let me have a scotch. <laughs> no, actually um now we're again at uh, like frontmen doing other shit uh, when they're not with their band. Uh, from time to time I'm producing under a different pseudonym uh, on a website called Metapop. Um, no. For for, no. for 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 like there are like producer contests and they give you either a sample pack or a song that could can be remixed and shit and you can win prizes oftentimes like not oftentimes are always like software and stuff and one of the contests that was actually from last year I think it was May June something like that uh, the main prize was the Native Instruments plugin Prism. Mm -hmm. and I you see had, where this is going. <laughs> and you had to download the free version uh, or like a, a light version or stuff. I think it's Prism Light or some. I don't. I don't remember. And use one of twenty presets in your song, and you could do whatever the fuck you wanted. Just use two presets, at least. Mm. Mm. And I took two and they sounded very 80s and synth poppy to me. So I produced a synth pop uh, track with it. And one first prize. Um, well done. Thank you very much. And I enjoyed the song so much that I went with it to the band. I was like, I want to do this. And it has, and, and I think it was Flo who was like, man, just like speed it up a bit and it will sound like a pop punk thing. And I was mm. like, I like that idea. Uh, I wouldn't like speed it up super quick, but uh, still give it a bit more heaviness with guitars and shit, but keep it 
still very poppy. And mm-hmm. Benny did his stuff because in the original there was, of course, a drum machine, a synth pop, like a, a very 80s feel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just like stuck with it. And I enjoyed the, especially I'm very proud of the chorus. I think that's mm. one of the best choruses I've written. And it actually mm. like uh, references to other songs within. Mm. Uh, one mm. being Shapes and Lines. Like the chord progression is the same as in Shapes and Lines to a certain degree. And it also mentions Shapes and Lines in the lyrics. And then it also references Ripples at the end. So I like the whole concept album theme stuff still so i sometimes do that and when it was time to finally release something again i was like i'm gonna just release this now uh took my phone out and have two actual prisms at home photographed an old cassette through the prisms with my telephone like actual Mm. in-camera analog uh, stuff Mm -hmm. so no digital artwork there actual photography I, i added a filter after the fact but the colors are still from the actual prism and there we are and people like really enjoyed it uh we had multiple t- uh, people uh, i had multiple people coming to me like this is the coolest song of yours and i really like that and i can't get it out of my head and i was very happy with the um yeah how people like reacted to it and mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i i liked it a lot and i, I did say that to you like i, I like the the more pop-driven vibe by it, for sure. Like, not that I dislike any of stuff either, but it is just, it was nice to hear this uh, this sort of, um, yeah, power pop. Mm-hmm. Difference. Power pop is the best way to describe it. Yeah, I and I agree so. with you, the chorus is super strong as well. Thank really, you. really strong stuff. Um, no, so I really enjoyed it as well. And, and the general reception to it has been pretty good so far, right? Yeah, yeah, very good. So Chris, Prism, great song, but how does it fit in live? It's almost like we just cut a previous bit out and redid this part. But we would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't no cheaters. Uh, no, I actually think it doesn't really translate very well live. Uh, and I don't know why. Uh, I, maybe like for my voice, it's one of the songs that is a bit lower. 
and I really don't feel comfortable singing uh, in a lower register. Mm. So maybe mm. it's just that, but I don't think, I mean, people danced to it uh, on the last gig. Uh, so I think they enjoyed it. Uh, mm. I mean, dancing is quite an involuntary re reaction of the body to a certain mm. degree. Mm. So, mm. Uh, but still, um, maybe it's just because I'm still so hardwired into the whole uh, rock and metal and every song needs to be fast and heavy mm, and it's like mm. weird when you play something like Chasing Spirits which is like 210 uh, BPM and just and after that you slow down to Prism uh, like, mm, mm. I mean we don't play those uh, those two songs back to back but it's, yeah, it's still weird for me to play <laughs> slower songs mm, mm. so yeah <laughs> but speaking of live how was other stuff translated live because you have been out gigging loads, including the thing at Henningsdorf. I briefly mentioned that in a episode you weren't here, but um, you've been out on the road a bit. Yeah, like the Henningsdorf thing was so good. We've waited three years for that because we were booked before COVID, and then the it's basically a city festival, citywide festival for that goes on for three days, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we've played the Sunday on the large stage. Mm. That was so good. Like we had the coolest and best sound technician uh, who actually brought, is like a, I don't know if there's like an, an English term for his job, but the, the German word is Tonmeister. So master of sound, basically. Master of sound, wow, yeah. And you, that's like one of the highest, um, uh, what's the word? Like the highest audio uh, employment that you can do in Germany. Like you have to study for it and you're like, you're really, it's not just mixing and mastering, it's everything. It's like miking classical instruments and frequency response with everything. And like the dude really knows his fucking shit. He actually mm. explained to us how you have to, if you're doing live sound and with a, with a huge PA and shit, there's like actual mathematics and physics and acoustic shit going on every time. Like he actually measures the distance between bass speakers so they don't cancel each other out. And mm. like motherfucker really know everything about audio it was really cool. And uh, he appreciated us being very interested in the topic. And it turns out uh, the dude works uh, for some very large festivals. Uh, uh, I think I mentioned that in a voice memo to you as well. And uh, was really impressed with us and liked us very, very much. So not only did we have good <clears throat> a good audience and good audience reception, but also the technicians uh, really enjoyed working with us. And yeah, we're going to stay in contact and see where this goes. And who is it? You were supporting a Deep Purple cover band, right? Yeah. Well, supporting is we we played before them. The thing well, you played the, before them. Yeah. 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 So the 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 thing with those city festivals, there's like no actual like lineup or no shit. No. So, but they yeah, before us was was a Schlager singer, uh, a woman. I won't name her, but wasn't actually the best experience we had uh, for various reasons. Okay. But what was like really funny with the, the Deep Purple cover band is uh, it's called Demon's Eyes. And I'm no expert on Deep Purple, but I think that's one of the album's names. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. So they've been around for, I think, since 1989 or 98. Um, 
I'm not sure, but a long time, at least 25, 30 years, something like that. I don't know. Uh, mm. And they are so good and so huge that actual Deep Purple members have been touring with them. That's uh, insane. That's like really, really cool. Uh, including yeah. the, um, what's his name? The late John Lord. Is that uh, the keyboardist name? Do you know, I don't know. Um, to be honest, the names of Deep Purple, I'm not, not in a... I think it was John Lord. Yeah, John Lord. Uh, so he actually did, as I think it was in Ireland, too, with an orchestra and shit. And Ian Pace, the drummer of Deep Purple, uh, played with them. And some, I think the singer from Rainbow, which was Richie Blackmore's second band, played with them as well. So, uh, wow. yeah, they kind of know their shit. <laughs> wow. And that also reflected in their gear and setup because... Those guys had angle full stacks and an actual Hammond organ on stage and a fucking, I don't know, 25 inch Tom or shit. So they were really, really loud. And they sounded good? Uh, now, <laughs> that's a good question because they brought their own sound guy and they uh, didn't want to like use the knowledge or utilize the knowledge and power of the uh, sound guy that mixed us right mm -hmm. and people from the audience came to our sound guy and we're like why did Weinhardt sound so much better than demon's eyes so mm. there's that <laughs> okay i mean like our sound guy he really knew his shit like he really really knew his shit and it wasn't an ego thing like the dude does this kind of stuff for 50 years Demon's Eyes guy was, I think, good, but uh, sounded apparently very muddy in front of the stage. So mm. there we mm. are. Mm. So you ended up kind of upstaging them, at least on sound quality. Yep. If, <laughs> if nothing else. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but never mind. But you hung out with them and they seemed, they seemed pretty cool, right? Demon's Eyes? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they were nice. They were nice. Uh, it was. It's like cool to see if you have like a band that's been playing for 30 odd years, uh, 20 odd years, whatever. It's just something else. Like mm, mm. you have another kind of like inner peace with you when you're entering the stage and shit, you know, where yeah. everything's supposed yeah, yeah. to go and it's all, you've performed the songs a thousand times. So yeah, it's really, it's always very fun just to hang out uh next to the stage and watch those guys work and they had a lot of like uh, people in the audience like uh the the woman who does uh, the city wide festival and she was like the manager basically who booked us and she was like oh yeah like they have a large audience and very very uh, a lot of people are coming from all over the place berlin brandenburg to see them so yeah that was cool wow Cool to share a bill with them, though. Nice. Yeah. Well done. Also cool for them to share a bill with us. With you, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's how they looked at it, too. <laughs> so gigging, releasing new music, and you've been clearing out gear. Yes. Now, this is where you're going to geek out about something you purchased today. Yes. But tell us what sort of led you on this journey to buy what you brought today and completely went mad about fangirled about <laughs> to me on Signal earlier. Yeah, I'm kind of like uh, knifing myself in the back after months and years of talking on this podcast about how good gear is. You, hypocrite, gear. Yes. So I Talk just, us through your gear purge. I uh, actually got super annoyed by all this shit around me and 
uh, had to be honest with myself that I spent a lot of time with rearranging stuff, fixing stuff, uh, connecting and disconnecting stuff and like spending more time with uh, fucking around with gear than actually composing and being creative. So in a kind of fit, I put almost everything on eBay and call up a few clients of mine whom I thought to be maybe interested in purchasing some of the stuff uh, that I own. And uh, I was like, should I buy anything new from now on? I want it to be the very best thing at the category that I'm like trying to improve and not to have like five delay pedals that all do a specific thing, hmm. uh, but rather to have one very good, very expensive unit that does the thing the very best. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, because over the years, like sometimes you purchase stuff for a certain project and shit. And if you've not been using it for, I don't know, at least the last three months, it might be a good idea to let it go. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's. I mean, sometimes it's good to have a backup for, for stuff. And I still have like a second uh, and third MIDI keyboard lying around in a rehearsal space. And uh, I'm taking one very small one with me to clients and shit. But still, for this very purchase... I planned, uh, I wanted to upgrade my, my MIDI master keyboard for producing because that's the stuff I use the most, like more than guitars. Mm -hmm. uh, a large portion of my workflow is using synths and, and samples and stuff. So I, I wanted to have something that not only plays very well and has a very good key bed and, and shit, but also has programmable pots and faders and is very well integrated with the software I'm using, which is Ableton. Mm, 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 mm. And so I started to do some research for new master keyboards. And usually like the smaller ones are about a hundred euros. And then I figured out there's one from Novation, uh, from which I also own the Peak, which is for me, my, like my main synth. Also one of those, those things that is very expensive, but it's basically the only synth you'll ever need if you're being honest with yourself mm, again. Mm, mm. Uh, so there's also the integration with the keyboard and with the peak. Uh, and the one, the model that I choose is the SL Mark III with 61 keys, which has been built specifically for Ableton use. So the cool thing now with this thing is that it's a very good MIDI keyboard for controlling software. It has presets and can be freely programmed to control any hardware ever because you can like if you're into midi and shit you can program any cc message to any fader if you like or any pot so you can control everything from one keyboard and switch around between presets so i could basically control every synth that i ever owned with just one hardware unit now hmm. and it also like speaks to ableton it has five little screens that are next to each other right beneath the uh, pots that you can twist and turn and as soon as you load in a plugin the parameters from the plugin will automatically copied onto the screens and can be controlled like immediately and in real time with the pots on a keyboard mm -hmm. so what's happening now is that i don't look at the screen and focus Never. on moving the mouse no i'd rather use my ears which is good for a musician to use mm. the ears mm. <laughs> shocking really yeah no <laughs> really weird and like when <laughs> i tried that for the first time with the compressor 
like it felt so different and I chose so different settings than I would usually do. Because what you're doing when you're when you're twisting the knobs and looking at the parameters and shit, you're like, oh, now I'm at a threshold from, I, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 dB. That shouldn't sound mm. good. I shouldn't do that because I know that shouldn't sound good. But if mm. you're not looking at what's happening and just hearing, mm. then it doesn't freaking matter if it's minus 10 dB or minus 20. If it sounds good, it's good. Yeah, yeah. And still the... The, the the little screens they display the parameters that I'm at, but I'm not seeing like the direct response from the plugin from the VU meters and shit. And even though I have like optical feedback from what I'm doing, it's still something entirely different. And it just mm, feels mm. more natural to slowly move the fader and to hear very small steps and like change, uh, especially with equalizers. It's so mm, easy to mm. just pull up the mouse and whoop, 20 dB yeah. of. 30, I don't know, 20, 22 yeah. hertz yeah, yeah. or shit. And now you're like more careful with it and you're listening to smaller changes in the sound. It's like the, I think that's what I said to you in the, in the, in the voice memo. It's like the perfect bridge between analog workflow, but still having all the DSP power of a modern computer with modern plugins. Mm, mm. So immediately I was like, I was not only inspired by it, but I, noticed that my workflow like instantly was like streamlined mm, and I mm. love workflow improvement. That's like the mm, best mm. shit ever. As soon as I yeah. can save five minutes, that's the best <laughs> for me. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't miss anything you got rid of? No, not at all. Really enough. It, like it feels, I, I sold uh, to one of my uh, students the, I showed you when you were here the uh, the keyboard like the, the with weighted keys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had this one for years and years, uh, and it's on, it's on band photos and it's on YouTube videos and everywhere. And still, I was like, very oh, do I really want to sell this? As soon as it left my room, I was like, Jesus Christ, thank God this thing is gone. <laughs> I, sh I should have gotten rid of it like years ago because I wasn't like using it to its full potential. I mean, an 88 key weighted key digital piano. Mm, mm. I'm not a pianist and I never be a very good pianist. So I don't need it. And maybe now mm, my student mm. who might be a pianist one day, uh, yeah, will use it definitely more and more often than me. Mm, mm. So yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm on the right track uh, selling stuff that I don't need. And I, <laughs> yeah, it's all about being honest with yourself, right? Having all the shit around is cool, but it's not as inspiring uh, as it should be. No. But I think you've actually started being on this path for a while. I think the Helix probably kicked it off. Mm -hmm. This sort of, this thought process of, do I really need all of this stuff? Yeah. Like, and I mean, you're going to keep some bits and pieces. Of course you are. You're not going to get rid of everything. It's not like you can just make music off of a helix and a synth and that's mm. that forevermore. But, um, but I think that was probably what kicked it off. Like, yeah. I remember how you gushed about the helix replacing so many other things. And that kind of feels like what you've done now. It's not that you're necessarily stopping anything. It's just this thing can do what a hundred of these individual things used to do. And I can just yeah. do it in one go instead. So it doesn't mean everything else is useless, but this can take over a lot of stuff. Like you could say, it saves that five minutes. Yeah. So. And it's like, if you're like, if you're uh, researching how other people feel about this, like the gear community and plugin community, like 
everything has become such a massive dopamine factory. Mm-hmm. Every every company's fishing for your attention and f- like they're releasing new shit every day and most of it like has already been released in three, four other like shapes. And mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. you're like being fed this idea of with this you'll improve your songwriting so much or this this is the sound uh, that that has been missing from your productions or whatever and most of the time like if you like all over history music history there's like those stories of just the guy with the guitar who wrote the best song ever mm-hmm. and he didn't have like a Les Paul and a Marshall stick and a, a SSL console and shit so good song might come from equipment or maybe it, the equipment might spark a certain idea or sound that will be influential for the song. But the chance of this happening is not very low. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so you're totally made up with innovation. Yes. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get rid of this thing. Like the learning curve is very steep. Hmm. And... I mean, I'm kind of a, I, I explored myself, dude, but I had to pull up the manual multiple times because I, there's so much, there's actually some menu diving here and there where you have to like hold a button and then press another button and this shit you'll never figure out by yourself. No, no. Uh, <laughs> as soon as you're at, you're at this point where it's like, I don't know how to get out of this menu. Yeah. Just pull the plug and just restart. Yeah, the whole yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. Just turn it off. And, we'll <laughs> and, and hope it's not saved. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, wow. really, really cool. And like I said, dude, like the hardware integration is so cool, man. I mean, it had already had a, a preset for the Peak because of it's the, uh, the same company uh, that's built them, Novation. But it, they also included uh, other uh, other presets for for even for reverb pedals that have a MIDI input, like the Strymon, wow. the, the Big Sky. Yeah, yeah. So you can like, yeah, just have it as a rec unit over there and you don't have to reach over and uh, twist knobs and everything. So you could like automate parameters from your keyboard in the door that's then feeding into the into the uh, reverb pedal and shit. So it's really, wow. really fucking powerful. It's, you can control your whole studio with it. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, what, what is the price of something of this? It's In, in euros, it's 589. So it is okay. a lot of money, but it's... But not really. But not really. Like you can spend so much more. Like people buy spare guitars for more money than that, that they just hang on a wall and don't play. Like, so it's not really that much money. Yeah. Like, good investment. I think so. I'm really satisfied with it. I mean, of good. course, the most benefit you get out of it if you're using Ableton because it has been built for Ableton use. But I think mm. they have been like updating, uh, like, uh, software and firmware updates where it's actually can be used with logic as well. So, okay. So you're not at a complete loss. Well, yeah. I look forward to this, to hearing stuff that's been made with it and on it. Sure, man. See if it improves your, <laughs> improves your sort of, like you say, because now you're more sort of in, involved in a more sort of sonic way. I wonder if it will change your sound at all. Like, yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to to try it out in a full production now. Now it's just like setting it up and trying different things out, and yeah, and fiddling with your new toy. I mean, that's that's you know what yeah. it is but, <laughs> part but, of it. Yeah, <laughs> but because it's fun. But I wonder how this will change your music. Yeah, let's see. 
probably everything's going to be sample based from now on. Well, you know. Next You'll episode, fine, Chris sold the Helix. What a fucking <laughs> shit device. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chris got rid of it. What do you have now? I just have the key, but just the MIDI controller. Nothing else. It just does everything. Oh, okay. Just one cool. key. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just be you in like a solo white room, just with this MIDI controller, just pressing one key. Over <laughs> I'll come and visit you. You'll be like, look what I made. I'll be like, oh, stay away. Like, God, Nelly, is he okay in there? <laughs> like, I don't know. He just keeps saying, I have to press the buttons. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like a madness mantra, right? Like lost. Like, like. <laughs> was it, was it all, all fun and games that makes Jack a dull boy? Or what was yeah, it? exactly. You're going to be like that from The Shining. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, Jesus. We're supposed to be at a porcupine tree gig. Yeah, but I've got to press this button again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> what are we having on the desert island to finish? Oh, you start. I've, I've talked so much. Uh. Uh, John Hyatt, uh, sort of really underrated singer-songwriter, but has been releasing songs for a hell of a long time. Born in the 50s, and he's gone through sort of different musical styles throughout his career, mainly around the sort of country and blues style. But then he's also gone into New Wave as well. Um, He's been nominated for about nine Grammy Awards. Very famous. And very well respected. People like B.B. King, Bob Dylan, Bonnie Raitt, Buddy Guy, Joe Cocker. All these people love him. Never so, heard of them. Very influential. Yeah, yeah never <laughs> heard of them. Very in- influential guy, but perhaps hasn't got the excess, success that he probably deserved. Um, so that Anyway, still listen to him quite a lot. And he has a quick count here, about 21 albums <laughs> or something obscure. Um, but it was a song I heard of his I hadn't heard ever before. And... Um, that's called Adios to California. And that came out about uh, 10 years ago now, just over 10 years ago. And it's a song about his ex-wife's suicide, of all things. Holy fuck. So pretty grim, but it, it doesn't sound grim. Like when you're listening to it, it's got this quite breezy sort of tune going along. And um, I don't mean that like he doesn't care, but it's this whole, I don't know, It's it's got nice phrasings in it. and. Just kind of whimsical look, you know, like, oh, okay, that's how you had to leave California then, by by dying. And uh, that's that. So it's just got this kind of very matter-of-fact look at something. I really like it. Really, really good song. So uh, I put that on the island because it is just a really nice song. Nice. Anyway, that was very meaningful. But what about yours? Yeah, it was. Uh, I've decided to put Catatonia's The Act of Darkening on there. Uh, no, you said I've got to check out the chorus. Yeah, usually Catatonia is more of a, like a doom metal band, but I think that track sparked the idea for the acoustic album that they released after. Catatonia, the act of darkening. Tell me roughly where the chorus is. Uh, I think it's I think uh, one minute and thirty nine. Okay, then I'll, I'll record it and run into it. Okay, hold on, hold on. Here we go. This is really melodic. Nice. (laughs) Oh, wow.
that was lovely. Mm-hmm. A lovely little chorus. I listened from about one thirty to about 2.10. Um, what a lovely little chorus that is. Very uh, porcupine tree, actually. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Of- I, I think they were on the same label. Um, I used to work for the publisher who publishes them in Germany, so I've got the CD for free. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to fucking ask for it three times. Oh, well, okay. Well, then that's uh, not so cool. That, yeah. <laughs> that. But yeah, uh, Catatonia. Really like them. Wow. What a good choice. Thank you very much. So, Chris, what's on the next episode? When are we chatting again? This uh, episode has been postponed for a long time. Yeah, it has. <laughs> <laughs> of illness and gigs and various other shit. We should ask Chance to join us. Let's say that. Chance will join us on the next episode. We're putting it out there. Now he <laughs> he has wants to. it or not. Yeah, he's joining now. Like It's happening. So uh, Chance has to join us on the next episode. And uh, he'll talk about new heavy, heavy stuff, which oh, I'm super excited for. Yeah, man. Really, really excited for. And um, I really meant what I said the other day in the bonus episode. It does feel like they're really sort of coming with their own sound now. Yeah. Like, it's... Um, it's pretty cool to hear that uh, that they're doing well and good. So, uh, yeah, let's get Chance on here next time. That'll nice. be what we have. And if we don't, sorry, no one cares. <laughs> like, it's all fine. No one gives a shit. 